Welcome to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McCann. Today, we're going to talk about challah. Challah is a rich, buttery, braided Jewish egg bread. The braided loaves are the tradition of the challah that is served on Fridays. But if the braiding scares you, then you can just twist the strands into like a rope shape and pinch the ends together. You can also bake the dough in a loaf pan. Although in my opinion, the four-stranded braids makes the best looking shape and what looks better somehow seems to taste better. And I am going to include a link in our show notes to a YouTube channel where I have, actually it's my baker, not me. But anyway, she demonstrates how to do a four-stranded braid. And so for years, we were dividing eight-ounce strands. And then after, I don't know, a few years, we figured out it'd be easier just to divide two pounds of dough and then take that mass and divide it into four mostly equal parts. It didn't really matter a whole lot because one strand was a half an ounce, more or less than another, because the weight of the whole loaf was 32 ounces in the final product. I know that doesn't really matter at home too much, but in retail, you have to buy by the weights and measures laws, which requires consistent weight with what you indicate that's on the package. Anyway, we would roll each dough strand out and then we'd take the top of each one and we basically pinch it all together and then finally do the braiding. Then I had one of my very smart bakers show me a shortcut. Now we just roll out the two pound doughs we kind of roll it out like a big log or sleeping bag, however you want to describe it. And then we take it and then starting from the top, we cut four strands just a couple of inches from the top. And I found it easy for us humans to divide in half, not so easy to do like thirds or fourths. So what we do is we divide it in half, then take each half and divide it by another half. So I recommend dividing the shape dough in half, then do it once again. It's really, like I said, easier to learn by watching than explaining, so check out that YouTube video. And the method is super easy, and it really does save a lot of time, which equates to money in business. Although, a three-stranded braid is easier for most folks because they braided hair, right? And it's still very pretty. But we, what, So regardless of how many strands you have, you just want to braid it and make sure that it's snug, but not too tight, because tight braids will tear on the bread as it expands in the oven or its initial proofing. And some people like round hollows, which are made more of like a turban style, which is basically a coiled loop around. And so if you think of it kind of as a big, huge cinnamon roll, and that's for the Jewish holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And the reason I'm recording this episode now is because we're in September when those holidays exist. So you just do the same thing by rolling out the dough up into a sleep bag or log, if you will. And then you just put the seam sides down and then you coil it around to look like a snail, so to speak. And the oven spring will pop it up a bit so it looks more like a turban. You just wanna make sure you don't wrap it too tight because what happens is during the expansion of the rising and more likely the oven spring, it's just gonna jet out to the side. <laughs> so, so it's better to stay pretty loose and then you'll have that nice turban look. And what you want to do is just wrap it around each other so the sides are just barely touching one another. And incidentally, the ingredients for challah are also the same for most brioche recipes. And brioche is a French bread version. It's an egg bread as well, and it has a little vanilla added usually. 
And so if you want, you can take the recipe and add a couple tablespoons of vanilla and maybe subtract a couple tablespoons of water. And challah is also very similar to Hawaiian bread. And with that, it's got some pineapple juice in it. So just substitute out a half cup of the water and put back in some pineapple juice. And it should be pretty warm pineapple juice too. And lastly, you can also use this recipe to make Swedish limpa bread. And that recipe, basically what they call for is the zesting of an orange. And so what you do is just zest one orange. And I like to put it into the water. And the same thing with vanilla. I like that to go in the water as well. And the reason why, because it basically gets more evenly spread out in the eventual loaf. And when I first started house bread, I didn't know that you could get all these similar bread versions out of Hala until I started getting requests for Hawaiian bread, brioche, Swedish limpa. And then I researched the recipes for them. And I realized they were really similar to Hala. So now when they ask for those type of breads, I tell them, why don't you try Hala and see how it's really similar. It's got the same type of ingredients. And more often than not, they're pretty happy with that. And every culture seems to have their own bread variety. I mean, if you think of it this way, it's like French bread and Italian bread. There's really not a whole lot of difference. But the French don't want to eat Italian bread and the Italians don't want to eat French bread. Okay, so now I'm going to go into the recipe, which will also be in the show notes. And this recipe is going to yield two good-sized loaves. Or you can do one loaf and some hamburger buns, some sliders, dinner rolls out of the other portion of the dough. I mean, the challah makes a great burger bun and it's nice and it's fluffy enough um, and it will complement whatever you've got in between the buns. I mean, it's not going to overpower it or be kind of harder or whatever. And it also makes great dinner rolls. And so if you think of like the Hawaiian bed rolls, and so if you put in those in a tighter container next to each other, that's what it's going to look like. Okay, so start with two and a half cups of warm water. It's approximately 100 degrees. Warm tap water is just fine. Just think hot tub temperature. That's nice and warm, but not burning hot. Okay, two packages or one and three-fourths tablespoons of active dry yeast. Now, if you're using the packets, then you need to test the yeast first because it's got a, it's a, has a coating on it. And also, it's a total drag to go all through the work of kneading and then waiting for the dough to rise and it doesn't rise on you. So all the testing is is throw the yeast in with some water or maybe some sugar, a little honey. And it's just start bubbling in a few minutes and that means you're ready to go. Okay, next it's six cups of unbleached bread flour. And I prefer bread flour because it has a higher protein content. And with all the fat in this dough, it takes more kneading to get to that good dough stage. Now, keep in mind with this loaf, I mean, it's a flatter loaf, right? So it's not like you got to make sandwiches out of it. So if all you have is all-purpose flour, then you can use it for this recipe. And then one and a half cups of whole wheat flour. And I prefer stone ground white whole wheat flour because the white whole wheat flour is a little milder and sweeter in taste. Additionally, the stone ground or the milling process at a low heat, it basically what happens, it preserves all the wonderful nutrition of the wheat berry. And I discuss this a lot more in detail in episode one about flowers. Okay, then a half a cup of butter that's very soft, but not melted. And what I try to do is leave it out the night before and also the eggs too. And sometimes we forget to do that. So basically you can just microwave the butter and you want to do so at about 30 second increments to avoid melted butter. And if it's more melted than soft, 
it'll still work. But you can't use hard butter because what happens with hard butter, it just basically doesn't disperse properly and evenly throughout the dough. Okay, then a half a cup of granulated sugar, or you can also substitute a third a cup of honey. If you want to do both, you certainly can for a sweeter loaf, but try not to put more than a half a cup of honey in the recipe. And I tell you why, because I've put, I've tried that and I pushed it too much honey. And basically what happens is, is that it weighs down the dough and it's kind of heavy and it won't rise properly. Okay, then one and a half tablespoons of salt and any type of salt is fine. And then two large eggs at room temperature. Now, if you forget to take the eggs out the night before, it's, then you can't microwave them like you can for butter. So just plan on, you know, a little bit longer proofing time. That's all that's gonna happen. Okay, how to make strands. So you shape the dough the same regardless of the number of strands you'll need. So you flatten out your dough and you can use a rolling pin if you'd like. At the bakery, frankly, I don't let them use a rolling pin because it basically slows down the process. I mean, if you can imagine, we've got like 36 loaves of these do at a time. And so you got to get moving. You got to get these things shaped close enough in time to one another so that they can all go in the oven at the same time. So for commercial bakers, it should only take a minute to divide your four strands and braid your holla. At home, you can take all the time you want. As the return on your investment is more to do with taste rather than related to financial numbers. Okay, so you want to the dough to be about an inch or two thick and basically about 10 inches long, 10 inches wide, something like that, or 12 inches, 14 inches. It's somewhere along in that. So just kind of get it flat. We flatten it out with our hands. And it'll end up looking like the dough you'd use to make maybe cinnamon rolls. And you take the end that's closest to you and you start evenly rolling it up. Think of like rolling up a sleeping bag. And once your log or your strand shape is created, Roll it back and forth with both hands to raise the seams and basically just smoothing it all out. And as you roll, you kind of angle your hands outward and apply a gentle pressure to taper the doughs on the outer edges. And so basically what I tell people is to start thinking about down and out. And this is the same process when you're also shaping baguettes. So you're rolling it back and forth and you're pushing down and out at the same time. And by doing this, your strand should end up with a slightly thicker in the middle and maybe and some thinner on the ends. And when I say slightly, I mean slightly. And even if it's all the same shape, that's fine too. But it's it's nice to just taper off a little bit. Okay, so that's how you make the big strand, which is the foundation of any hollow braid. And once you get your log, so to speak, you will turn the dough so that the dough is now about 14 inches high and two to three inches wide. So you've got the short end that's closest to you. And then you start about two inches from the top and basically you start cutting your strands and try to make each strand as close to equal portion as possible. And so if you make a three stranded holla, then divide your dough into three equal portions and then a four stranded would be four equal portions. I know, simple, right? Now, before you start braiding, I want to share a few tips with you that I've learned from trial and error over the years. So make sure your dough has completely risen before you start to braid. If you don't, the dough will be fighting you. If it's tough to move around, just let it sit for about 10 to 15 minutes and it should relax a little bit more and then it'll be easier to shape. And also if your dough hasn't risen enough, then your strands may rise and expand while you're braiding them. 
leading to some misshaped and kind of a sloppy looking braid. I mean, the hollow is still going to taste pretty, right? It's going to taste wonderful, but it's just not going to be quite as pretty. So once you start braiding, continue to your finish. And if you walk away from a half braided hollow, you might lose your place in the braid, which makes things a lot more complicated coming back to it and trying to figure out if you're going over or under or whatever. So start the braid and then plan on finishing it. And if your dough is sticking to the board, keep your surface lightly floured as you braid. And don't get discouraged. Making even strands of pretty braids takes some practice. I mean, follow steps here carefully, be patient with yourself, and most importantly, have some fun. Now let's start with the braiding. Here's the simplest way to braid a hala. It's the three-stranded braid. For those of you who know how to braid hair, this should come very natural to you. I'd like to start the braid at the top of the strands to get a more even balanced shape. The important thing to remember when braiding a three-stranded hala is to be aware of your middle strand. Each strand of dough will take a turn being the middle strand. Keeping your eye on the middle strand will help you stay on track as you braid. And then what you do is you cut the big mother strand two inches down from the top and go into three equal strands. Grab the center of the right strand and cross it over the middle strand. At the top of the middle strand, now that right strand is now your middle strand. Now you grab your left strand and cross it over. And the left strand becomes your middle strand. So basically you're repeating these steps. Right strand in the middle, left strand in the middle, until you've braided your hollow to the very end. Pinch the three strands together at the end and then flip over. Flip those underneath. Okay, now a four-stranded hollow braid. And this is how we braid hollow at House of Bread. And I like to start the braid on the top portion of the strands to get a more even balanced shape. An important thing to remember when braiding a four-stranded hollow is to be aware of your far right stand, strand that I call number four. The left three strands, you braid just the same way as if it was the three-stranded braid above that I talked about. The far right strand will always just go under one. So I start with the left, the far strand there, and I call that strand number one. Go over strand number two at the top, which is a strand next to it. Then take the strand to the right of it, or strand number three, and go over what was strand number one originally and is now moved into strands two position. Then you take the last strand, that strand number four, and you go under one. And I just think of myself, over one to the right, then over one to the left, and then under one. So it's over, over, under one, over, over, under one. And, it, you know, honestly, it comes so natural to me. I had to really think about this when I'm trying to describe it. So I actually had to shape a holla and then, okay, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. And like I said, it's easier to see on a video. So take your lovely braided loaves of holla and you take, tuck your un ends under just gently. And then you want to put it on a lightly greased sheet. And if you have room in your oven, it's better to put each loaf of hollow on its own pan. And basically because doughs like room to grow and then they'll bake more evenly. And when you look at your oven, you want to assume that the dough after shaping is going to rise about a half an inch during the proofing process. And then it's going to do an oven spring anywhere from an inch to inch and a half. So you want to have at least two inches of space from the dough to the oven rack when you put it in. And when you're rising, okay, so after you shape, you do another rising period. You're not going to overproof it. I mean, we've gotten behind in the oven and all backed up, and we've let that holla sit there on the racks for hours, and it still turned out fine. 
I mean, ideally, you're more in the, you know, 15 minutes if you've got a really high heat and humidity location or 45 minutes to an hour if your house is a little bit on the cooler side, you know, whatever, 70 degrees or below that. And if your home is super cold, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, then you can let it set out even two hours. Now, if you want to make a traditional sandwich style loaf, then it'll proof a bit quicker than the braids is because it's got more mass. And so when you have more mass, it generates heat within it much more so quicker. The hollow will rise very high because of the fat content and it's also mostly white flour. And so you want to be careful about overfilling the loaf pans. So you don't want to fill it beyond three-fourths full because once you put it in the oven, it's really going to spring up much more so than like the grandma's white loaves. And what happened, I mean, that's happened to us. So actually we make two pound braids of challah at the bakery, but when we make loaves of challah, we'll do one and a half pounds because normally the two pound loaf pans that we use for all the other sandwich breads, they fit fine with two pounds of dough, but not the challah dough. It goes over and it kind of spills off to the side. And so when you make this recipe and if you want to do a braid and you want to do a loaf, and if you end up with some extra dough, just try doing some dinner rolls out of it or hamburger buns. And I do like to egg wash the challah breads. And all that is just crack an egg into a container, like a glass or whatever, and add about a tablespoon of water. And you just sort of mix it with a fork. And then you take that, I take a pastry brush to apply it to the dough. And let's say you don't have a pastry brush. I mean, they're cheap, by the way. You can get them in the grocery stores or restaurant supply stores. and You know, they're under five bucks. If you don't have that, you can use a paintbrush that hasn't been used before, right? <laughs> because it's the same difference. It's just a brush. And if you have no brushes in the house, then just try to get the egg wash on there as best you can, evenly distributed. It's really about creating a nice golden color look to the loaf. And it's still going to taste great, even if you miss a little bit of the egg wash on a certain part of the loaf. Okay, for the strict Jewish traditionalists out there that don't want to use butter with eggs, then margin is a super easy substitute. And we've have even had someone ask for an eggless challah. I know that was a little weird, given that it's an egg bread. But anyway, we just added in a flaxseed mixture. So it's not actually the flax seeds you're adding. What you do is you grind up the flax seeds and you add water. Then it creates kind of a, a, a gooey mixture that's a good substitute for eggs. And I will do a vegan episode at some point, and we'll talk about doing the flaxseed mixture. And we've also had customers ask for a completely non-dairy challah. I know that's another unusual request. You know, quite frankly, at the bakery, we get these all these requests and they want us to do like their grandma's recipe. They want this, that, the other thing. And they've got different dietary restrictions. I mean, quite frankly, we're happy to do it. And I think that sets us apart as a bakery because they're not going to be able to buy that stuff in the grocery store. And But I got to get, I, it's got to be worth my while. So my policy is we'll make whatever they want but they have to order six loaves or more. In that case, we will di we did the flax seeds for eggs, and then we substituted vegetable oil for the butter. I mean, the loaf didn't look that good, and quite frankly, it was kind of a pasty gray without the egg wash and eggs in the dough. But, you know, these people must have liked it because they keep ordering it every holiday season. Okay, so the serving suggestions for challah. It makes great French toast. Bread pudding is another good one. Or just plain old toast and butter. Many bread pudding recipes will call for brioche, and people kind of get hung up on the 
buying brioche. So they'll come in the bakery and this is all around the holidays, right? And they'll, um, do you have any brioche? And I say, are you making bread pudding? And they're saying, yes, we've got a recipe that requires brioche. I'm like, here you go. Try challah. It's an easy substitute. And actually in our bread pudding, I mean, we use almost everything. <laughs> we use the day old cinnamon rolls, the muffins, the scones, croissants, quick breads, yeasted breads. Basically, we use about everything that doesn't have cheese or savory, you know, garlic in it or whatever. And we save those for croutons. I mean, that's in the bakery. You really want to take your uh, your items that are expired, so to speak, and see if you can make something else out of them. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen. And as always, I will include the recipe and how, and basically how to connect with me or House of Bread in the show notes. And until next time, happy baking, everyone.